Slava. Welcome to the third episode of Searching for the Slavic Soul, a podcast by Bitya. It took longer than initially planned to record this podcast, but, well, we made it. Uh, my name is Magda Lewandowska, and uh, I am your Polish presenter who still has zero skills, but is working on it, so bear with me. Um a quick recap, uh, in the previous two episodes, we were talking about uh, Slavic faith and we were trying to figure out how to adapt the Slavic faith to the reality of 21st century. So far, we've discussed the ritual sacrifices our ancestor made to the Slavic gods and we came to a conclusion that the sacrifices our ancestor made were of much higher value than the quote-unquote sacrifices we, the modern Rodnoveri, make. We also talked a bit about the actual rituals of making the sacrifices and we discovered that in the original pre-Christian Slavic faith, a ritual feast where the food or meat of the sacrificial animals was eaten not only by the Żerca, which is the Slavic priest, but also by the regular people, the participant of the ritual. So the ritual feast was a very important part of the sacrifice. Today we are going to talk about the sacrifice itself. We are going to try and figure out what sacrifices we, the modern Rodnovers, can offer to the Slavic gods in a legal way, because technically we can slaughter an ox uh, or other animal and bleed it to death on an altar, but such actions will get us into jail, also if we eat uh, meat of an animal that's not been tested, we can get ill from that, so we don't really want that. Uh, so basically today we are going to figure out how to make worthy sacrifices to the Slavic gods in the 21st century in a way that doesn't make anybody a criminal or ill or both. The reason why we have to figure out how to make sacrifices is that we don't know anything about how to make the right worthy sacrifices in a pagan way. The intuitive understanding we have on sacrifices is following the Judeo-Christian way, or rather Christian way. The Christian religion does not require a valuable sacrifice to be given to the gods. Uh, sorry, to the God, because the Christian religion only has a uh, one God, not many gods, as the Slavic faith. In Christian religion, the valuable sacrifices are made to the church, to the priest, to the temple. Those are the donation, the money put on collection plates or in collection boxes. In Christian religion, the sacrifices made to the actual God are not expected to be of a great value. Opposite to the sacrifices Slavic gods expect and are used to, the god of the Christians expects either prayers, which don't have much value unless you count the time spent on saying them, but other than time, they don't require much effort or skills or knowledge or commitment. The other thing that the Christian god expects is the suffering of his or hers followers. It seems that the greater the suffering, the pain or hunger or other forms of self-harming, the more pleased the God of the Christian is. 
Why else Mother Teresa, the most prolific and most cherished advocate of unnecessary suffering, why else she would be made a saint? Why else a woman who made hundreds or even thousands of sick people suffer unimaginable pain, why else would she be given the biggest reward a Christian or rather a Roman Catholic can get? So become a saint. If the Christian God did not enjoy the suffering of his followers. Most of modern Rodnovers were brought up in a Christian tradition. For many of us, Christianity is the only religion known from our own experience. So it's no wonder that we consider such worthless sacrifices as sufficient. It's no wonder we assume that a bit of prayer with maybe a bit of self-harming would also please the Slavic gods. No wonder then that modern Rodnovers throw some cheap beef into the fire and think that such sacrifice will satisfy the gods of our ancestors. But now, after all the thinking and pondering and considering we did in the previous episodes of this podcast, now we know it won't. So what sacrifices should we make or promise to the old gods? Firstly, our sacrifice, as the sacrifices made by pre-Christian Slavs, it has to cost us. It has to have a real value. As the ox we talked about before, it was valuable to our ancestors. Secondly, the sacrificial ritual has to use up the potential of our gift to the gods. As the ox could not pull a plow after being sacrificed, so our sacrifice cannot be useful to us in any material or financial way after we give it to the gods. And thirdly, the ritual of making the sacrifice has to benefit or strengthen the community as the ritual feast fed and strengthened our ancestors. Considering the above, it's not that difficult to come up with an idea of a proper sacrifice to the old gods. Sure enough, the sacrifice might be more tricky to prepare than it is to think out, but it's the effort that's important here. It's the effort that makes the sacrifice worthy. Some of the commentators of the first and the second episodes of Vitya's podcast went in the right direction, giving example of the offerings they make, like homemade sausages made from meat purchased locally, or homemade cakes made with locally sourced fruits. Such sacrifices don't seem like much, but they cost much more than a piece of meat from a supermarket. They cost more money, more time, more skills and effort. But in some cases, this effort might not be enough. For example, will gods who help us in getting new qualifications, qualifications necessary to get a new job, will they be satisfied with a homemade sausage? If those qualifications require a simple one or two day course, most probably yes. But if we have to go to the uni for a year or more, study highly specialized knowledge and acquire sophisticated skills, suddenly the sausage does not seem to be enough. Besides, there is another problem with the offerings of a sausage or a homemade cake type. In modern times, we are so... We are, let's call it spoiled, that we can afford to be picky with our food. Auto-restrictive diet like vegan, vegetarian or 
so popular now, gluten or lactose free, those type of food restrictions were not known to our ancestors. Our ancestors considered themselves lucky if they had something to eat, and they were not particularly bothered if this something was gluten-free or fair trade. They did not have the luxury to be fussy, but we, the modern Rodnovers, more and more we start to self-restrict food intake. We consider different types of food more or less worthy, basing this judgment on ingredients, origin, taste, or even preparation method. But, according to the Slavic tradition, the food sacrificed to the gods has to be consumed by the community. So those Rodnovers who decide to offer homemade food to the gods, they also have to make sure that there will be enough people gathered during a ritual, enough people willing to consume the sacrifice. And meeting this requirement nowadays, with more and more of us going vegetarian or vegan or lactose-free or whatever else free, it might not be easy to fulfill. But let's go back to the value of the sacrifice and the question, how to decide if the value of the offering is high enough to catch the god's attention. In the early medieval period, in Jaromarsburg on the Arcona Cape, our ancestors gave one-third of the raid's loot to the temple of Svantevit. That was the standard value of an individual offering, given after an individual's prayers were listened to and fulfilled by the gods. Because, you remember, our ancestors sought the Slavic gods' blessing and help before they went out raiding the neighbors. So before a raid, a Slavic pirate would pray to the gods, ask for the gods' help, and in exchange for surviving and succeeding in the raid, the pirate would give one-third of the raid's loot to the temple. So one can draw a conclusion that those of us who live off looting, so stealing, coercion, fraud, and others, the modern Slavic pirates should give to the gods one-third of the profits of the fraudulent or criminal operation, or make an offering of a similar value. Which, you know, kind of makes sense, Slavic faith does not forbid looting, stealing, or fraud, or coercion, or dishonesty. So if you, a modern Rodnover, if you make living of robbing people, of ripping people off, you should share profit with the Slavic gods, right? Well, not necessarily. If we look closer at Jaromarsburg, the first thing we will notice is that the temple builder, although most certainly very well known and impressive, it was an exception among Slavic temples. Some scholars suggest that the construction of the temple was a reaction to the growing influence of the Christian religions in early medieval Europe that it was an attempt to give the Slavic faith a material value, an image matching the one that the Christian religions had in those days. One could say then that the construction of the temple in Arcona was inspired by Judeo-Christian culture, that it should be considered as an early stage of Christianization of pre-Christian Slavs. Although we don't know a lot about the religion of the Slavs, the pre-Christian Slavs, pretty much all historians agree that the majority of pre-Christian Slavic temples were not buildings but open spaces. Those spaces could be enclosed with a fence or certain plants, 
The central element of the sacred spaces was a tree or a rock or other natural structure which was the object of the worship. And that was it. There wasn't any buildings that require costly maintenance. There wasn't many priests or there wasn't any priest that have to be provided for. So the vast majority of pre-Christian Slavs didn't have to support the religion with money or gold or whatever riches they brought back from the raids. In a way, one can say that the religious infrastructure amongst the pre-Christian Slavs was similar to what we, modern Rodnovers, have, or rather don't have. A forest or a little clearing was quite sufficient for our ancestors, as it is for most of us. It doesn't really matter whether the Jaromarsburg temple was a result of early Christianization or a natural stage of the evolution of Slavic religion. In the 21st century, the network of Slavic temples is not developed enough to allow majority of modern Rodnovers to go to a local temple for the purpose of worship. Of course, if somebody wishes and is willing to, he or she can consider a donation to a Rodnovery temple, whether one that already exists or one that's under construction or there are plans to build it. Such donation can be considered as a sacrifice made to the Slavic gods. However, I would strongly encourage anybody who wishes to donate to firstly make sure that the donation will actually go towards supporting the temple, particularly one which is under construction or planning and not towards supporting the people who are involved in the fundraising. After all, let's not forget that dishonesty is not forbidden by the religion of our ancestors. But let's go back to the original question. What sacrifices and of what value should we offer to our gods in situations when a homemade sausage or a cake simply doesn't feel like enough? or when we are not sure there won't be enough people to help in consumption of our offerings. So far, in our considerations, we came to a conclusion that Rodnovers should only ask their gods for help in the most important problems, important enough to be worth God's attention and worth a valuable sacrifice. We also concluded that the sacrifice made to the Slavic gods should be of an appropriate value, should be able to feed or benefit the community and should be used up completely during the sacrificial ritual. What is not required of a Slavic sacrifice is making this sacrifice in exactly the same moment when the prayer for the intention in which the sacrifice is made is said. Let me explain. The value of an ox in the medieval ages was not only a result of the oxen's ability to pull a cart or a plow, but also a consequence of how difficult it was to obtain those animals. It was a similar story with all other sacrificial animals or foods. It took a long time and effort to grow and harvest grains, to make bread, to brew beer or collect honey. The work, time and effort were put into a future sacrifice long before the sacrificial ritual. So we can say that the sacrifices made by our ancestors had a value which was a result of work and effort put into preparing it. So the sacrifices made by our ancestors were, in a way, 
symbols of the work, time, effort or skills offered to the gods. There is no doubt that our ancestors knew and understood the value of a symbol. The best proof of that was the fact that they wouldn't rescue drowning people or put out fires caused by a lightning. For pre-Christian Slavs, the loss of life or material goods or possessions was, that was a sacrifice. A sacrifice which was requested by the gods to maintain their strength. Our ancestors believed that rescuing a drowning person would cause weakening of the water, through denying the water the very thing it requested. In the same way, they saw fires caused by a strike of a lightning. They believed that the losses caused by the fire were necessary to please the gods and maintain their powers. So there is no reason for us, the modern Rodnovers, to continue making sacrifices of a symbolic value like the unfortunate supermarket meat. Instead, we should start sacrificing offerings which have a value of a symbol, the symbol of our effort, work and commitment to our gods. Following our ancestors, we can prepare the offerings long before the sacrificial ritual and during the actual ritual give the offerings to our gods in a form of a symbol of the work, time, effort or even money spent for our sacrifice. Let's go back to the example of the unemployed Rodnover whose situations we analyzed in the previous episode. Let's assume that our Rodnover concluded that in order to find a job, he or she has to gain new qualifications, which require attending a university. Our Rodnover seeks help from Veles, the Slavic god and keeper of the secret knowledge. While asking Veles for help, he or she might of course promise an offering of homemade sausage, but the sausage does not seem valuable enough considering the magnitude of help Veles is asked to provide. To increase the chances of succeeding, our Rodnover instead of the sausage can promise Veles something of much higher value, something that is more likely to get the attention of the god something that requires a real sacrifice, like, for example, the Rodnover's own blood. While studying for a year or two, our Rodnover can, every few months, visit a blood donation facility and donate blood, and each time he or she does it, she should keep a little token as a symbol of this donation. This token can be an appointment card, a leaf or a flower collected on the way to or from the blood donation center, or pretty much anything that is related to the act of donating blood. Anything that can and will be a symbol of the donation. After graduation and finding a new job, those tokens can be used as an offering, as a sort of thanksgiving given to Veles for his help provided while studying for the new qualifications. Donating blood to honor the Slavic gods fulfills all the requirements of a pre-Christian Slavic sacrifice. Blood is priceless. It has a value so high that its monetary value cannot even be defined. Donated blood is used for the benefit of the community, is saving lives and giving strength to the sick so they can overcome their disease. And after the blood is donated, it cannot benefit the person who donated it. I mean, 
Of course, it is not impossible that the blood donated by us will be transfused back to our bloodstream, but a situation like that is so extremely unlikely that we can easily assume that the blood we donate will not benefit us in any way in the future. Being a blood donor is not the only way we can prepare a sacrifice for the Slavic gods. We can also offer our life, our time, effort or our skills to perform acts which in no way benefit us, but are of huge value and strengthen our communities. We can clean forests or rivers, we can volunteer and honor the gods with our time and skills. We can create art or music and make our work available to the community for free. We can contribute to no-profit projects like Wikipedia, open license software or free image music or font databases. We can organize various events to promote the culture of our ancestors. The possibilities are basically endless here as long as we stick to the three rules of the Slavic sacrifice, as long as our sacrifice has appropriate value, is benefiting the community and is of no benefit to us. And it doesn't matter that the sacrifice is not made at the time of the ritual. Our ancestors did not make beer, mead or bread in the temples during sacrificial rituals. During the rituals, they only gave their offering to the gods and shared the blessing with the community. I see no reason why we shouldn't be doing it in the same way. Prepare the offerings in advance and during the ritual, sacrifice a symbol of our work and effort we put into the offering. Besides, in my opinion, everything is better than what most of us is offering to the gods in modern times. So, to summarize, the modern Rodnover willing to practice the religion of his or her ancestors in a way that's not historical reenactment, the Rodnover should pray for things that he or she really needs and for things toward gaining she or he can actively contribute. The Rodnover should be precise in his her prayers and always direct the prayers only to a god or goddess capable of helping in fulfilling those prayers. The Rodnover should also make sacrifices which have a real value, benefit the community, but do not benefit the Rodnover him or herself. Finally, with the pandemic spreading around our planet, I would like to address the issues of prayers, request for prayers, as well as other esoteric advice, which are becoming more and more popular among pagan communities, including, unfortunately, Rodnovers. So the COVID-19 is a virus, is not a bad spirit. A red ribbon or fumes of burned herbs, this is not going to protect you from getting infected. Because COVID-19 is a virus and, as it's confirmed by scientists, it has developed in a natural way. It should be seen as a part of the natural ecosystem of the earth. This means that praying to the Slavic gods, which are, after all, the gods of the earth, not the people, is like asking a mother to kill her own child. The Slavic religion does not see people as superior to the rest of the nature, and the Slavic gods do not care about people more than they care about other elements of the ecosystem. Although from 
a perspective of the Slavic religion, there is a point in praying for health, if at the same time you make a real effort to stay healthy, but praying for protection from the disease makes as much sense as praying for annihilation of mosquitoes or ants. It makes zero sense. So wanting to remain respectful towards our Slavic heritage, we should first and foremost remain sensible and follow common sense, which means following the recommendation of qualified and experienced physicians and not advice given by shamans, witch doctors or other alternative therapists. So that's the end of the third episode of Vitya's podcast. I hope you enjoy it. If you found the podcast interesting, you can find more on Vitya's website, which is witia.squarespace.com. Please feel welcome to contact us and leave us a comment on Vitya's website, on Vitya's Facebook, on Instagram account. In the next episode, we'll be most probably talking about the Slavic ethics. I'm hoping to be able to go live with the next episode within next two or three weeks. And for now, stay safe, stay healthy, follow the doctor's advice and uh, suava.